In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I suspect that like John the Baptist, sitting in his jail, wondering what's going on with me, while everything, all these great stuff is going on elsewhere, I suspect that like John the Baptist, we've all found ourselves in a cone of pain with its special time warp. All we can feel is the pain, and it's incomprehensible that the world keeps on going about its business. Driving my dad to pick out a coffin for my brother, who had just been murdered, I was watching all these cars whizzing by, and I'm thinking, can all those people in those other cars really just be going to work? or to the beach, or to the grocery store, as though this weren't going on? I know that some of you are in just such a time-warped cone of pain right now. And not to get too close to home, but there's loss of loved ones. There's a terminal diagnosis. There's storm damage. There's the realization that there's no quick fix for something that really bothers you about yourself. Sitting in my own cone of pain, I find myself thinking about who it is who's sitting in my own little cone of pain. Okay, everybody online, which is one reason to stay offline, has, a, has an opinion about the exchange this week of American basketball player and medicinal marijuana user, Brittany Griner, for Russian arms dealer, Victor Bota. I don't have an opinion. There are too many factors I just can't be aware of. But what Advent and Christmas make me think about as I think about that exchange is another entirely unfair exchange. The righteous Jesus for the unrighteous me. The not guilty Christ for the guilty me. The obedient son for the prodigal me. The pure in heart, God-loving savior for the lustful, self-loving me. Now, along similar lines, I think of the poet W.H. Auden's Christmas Oratorio, titled For the Time Being. In the early 1940s, with the world descending into war, with his own love life falling apart, and wrestling with the death of his high church, Jesus-loving Anglican mother's death, Auden who is just converting to his mother's faith and will eventually become one of the architects of the adaptation of the Coverdale Psalms that are in our lovely book of common prayer. Auden writes a Christmas oratorio, his first real statement of faith for the time being. In the opening Advent section of his oratorio, Auden laments, Alone, alone about a dreadful wood of conscious evil runs 
a lost mankind. The pilgrim way has led to the abyss. Nothing can save us that is possible. We who must die demand a miracle. But the miracle does happen. Into a world not altogether different from ours and into lives as messed up as his own, Auden maintains, the miracle that his characters demand does transpire. Indeed, the miracle becomes incarnate. Hope is born on Christmas Day and hope is confirmed on Easter morning. The characters in Auden's poem recognize the shattering wonder of what is happening to them and to their world through the birth of the Christ child. The shepherds, who to now have lived only for today, say, our sullen wish to go back to the womb, to have no past, no future, is refused. The wise men, who have to now lived only for tomorrow, say, Tonight, for the first time, the prison gates have opened. Music and sudden light have interrupted our routine tonight and swept the filth of habit from our hearts. Here and now, our endless journey starts. We live, therefore, in Auden's for the time being. That period between the two great appearings, the epiphany of God's miracle at Christmas, and then as Paul notes, as Paul notes, Christ appeared in humility to redeem us, and Christ will appear in glory to consummate all things. In this, for the time being in which we live, there's, there's much that we who have been and are being saved can do. And among them are two things I'd like to think through with you this morning. One, we can sing. And two, we can give. In a sense, the great turning of the ages begins with Mary's, let it be to me according to your word. And then the song that we sang today, Mary's song, the Magnificat. My soul proclaims the, the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary sings this in advance of all that her, according to thy word, unleashes the loss of her reputation, having a baby without benefit of marriage, the dislocation of Jesus' birth to Bethlehem, not Mary's home, Nazareth, the bearing of a child rough enough in itself, the bearing of a child in a barn, Simeon's closing of his blessing of her child with the declaration that this child's destiny will be the cause of the rise of many and the fall of many. For the response to this child will be the big reveal about who people really are. And all of this will cause a sword to pierce Mother Mary's heart. But her last recorded words in John 2 at the wedding in Cana 
do what he says. And of course, her let it be according to thy word receives its glorious answer in her son's garden prayer, not my will, but thine. And so in advance she sings, and in her wake we sing about how the mighty one has done great things for me, for us. And holy is his name, for he brings down the somebodies and raises up the nobodies. We can't help but sing. You may have heard or read about the Ukrainian Children's Choir. They were in Copenhagen in August, and they were in Carnegie Hall just this past week. The centerpiece of the Ukrainian Children's Choir is Carol of the Bells by Ukrainian composer Mykola Leontovich, which had its American premiere in Carnegie Hall a century ago, which is one of the things they're celebrating. In a New York Times interview this week, one of the singers, 20-year-old Oleksandra Lutzak, explains how the songs remind her of the pain, the pain of the faces of five friends who have died in the war, of a friend captured by the Russians, of destroyed homes with no roofs, collapsed walls, everything burned down, and people standing around who have nowhere to spend the winter. But the songs also, she says, help me somehow deal with the pain. And reading her, her words, I found myself thinking of another picture that I saw online this week, because I do get online from time to time. A picture of a Ukrainian house. The front had just been blown off. It was a very modest house. The front was blown off. The inside was trashed. And a lady is sitting in front of a Christmas tree that's got its lights. Hope won't die. And we can't not sing. Along similar lines, the Orlando Sentinel yesterday ran a story about the Advent Health Orchestra that sort of organically emerged during COVID, giving the staff in, of the Advent Health family, from doctors and nurses to finance executives and accountants who have a musical background, a chance in the midst of their labors to come together and make beautiful heartening music in the midst of the weariness and stress and awfulness of the battle against the sinister coronavirus. Their organizer, Richard Hickam, says, even when you're tired, there's something music does to your spirit. You get that sense of renewal. It restores you. And tonight is their first public concert at Disney Springs. And since you've been here at church this morning, you have permission to go down and catch the concert. I think it's at five o'clock. I don't know. So what does it mean for you to be reminded of the song that breaks out around Advent and Christmas? I, well, okay, I don't know. Maybe relax about the fact that Z88 started playing Christmas music instead of honoring Advent. Maybe, I don't know, maybe taking up or returning to a musical instrument. Maybe taking a break from your normal listening and taking in Handel's Messiah. 
and not just once. Maybe it's tracking down our own David DeQuatro, who's vice president of an organization that sings the, the Messiah every year. Maybe ask David about what, it, what he, you could do to join the group. Maybe it's taking a hymnal and going to the Advent Christmas sections and pondering the great texts. You don't have to be musical to do that. You could take Mary's song, which is Luke 1, 46 through 55, or the hymn that we sang today, or Canticle 15. Taking Mary's song and pondering it, pouring it over, pouring over it, maybe writing your own Magnificat. Maybe it's what, what I do every Advent Christmas is I find a, a reading that fits the season and just spend time in it. This year, it happens to be, um, it happens to be, um, Alan Jacobs' really lovely, thoughtful um, publication of Auden's for the time being. The, the point in all of this, oh, I'm sorry, side note on our organ. Uh, you know, uh, Hurricane Ian flipped up a, uh, a tile and water got down into it, did a bunch of damage. We were already going to do some work on the organ, but you need to know that after Christmas uh, bells <laughs> Mrs. Kidd calls it the Christmas bells and whistles service next uh, Sunday night. It's uh, Christmas carols and readings um, next Sunday night at 6, which I hope you'll all come. After that, the innards, some of the innards of the organ are going to disappear for a few months uh, while they get repaired. The, uh, the plan is for them to return in July with the new console and additions. Again, part of that's an, an ongoing project. And you'll probably notice certain sounds and the overall power of the organ dropping somewhat in the next few weeks. So, just a heads up. Uh, the point in all of this, what living in the for, time, for the time being means is that every cone of pain can participate in the great healing. Every disorienting time warp can be reoriented in this great for the time being. Take John the Baptist. Even as he awaits Herod's blade, he can see himself participating in the sufferings of the Messiah that he has heralded, completing the mission of the prophets who have come before him, completing the mission of Isaiah, whom we read today, and who, thanks to the good news that he proclaimed, was martyred by being sawn in half, according to the Babylonian Talmud. Finishing the mission of Ezekiel, who baked bread at God's instruction, using dung as fuel for fire to get the people's attention. Jeremiah, who was lowered into a cistern to silence him. Daniel, who went into the furnace in the lion's den. And following John the Baptist and the prophets, greater than the prophets, a long line of prisoners and martyrs. I don't know. For you, for you, hopefully, for me, hopefully, maybe something less dramatic. A smaller death or a smaller denial of self for the sake of the Lord or somebody else. Which takes me to possibility two. Singing and then developing further the, the discipline of giving to the Lord's work. I can't tell you how grateful I am to this congregation for the way that you supported the Light Legacy Love Capital Campaign and poured resources into carrying out our stewardship of this amazing place of worship, of gathering, and of sending. Kudos, yay. Very grateful. 
priority now to me and to the chapter is taking care of the people who help make this happen, people who serve you. We have a, um, we have a, a proposed budget on our kitschy thermometer in the back, a little over a million dollars. And um, that, if we, we're at 82% now, and we're going to keep going until uh, January 8th, the Sunday right after Epiphany, and do a great in-gathering, and thanks be to God. But <clears throat> I just want you to know that if we can make that 100%, then we go a long way towards doing a better job of taking care of our people. We give ourselves some room to provide some help towards health insurance for the families of our staff. We give ourselves room to provide a cost of living increase. What doesn't happen with that aspirational budget is what's in Reggie's aspirational budget, which is above and beyond that. You know that when Josh comes back from sabbatical in the 1st of January, he comes back not at full time, but at three quarters time. Patricia is working amazingly hard and amazingly effectively at, at pastoral care at three-quarter time. Lindy Zepp is working an extraordinary job of magic with our kids, also at three-quarter time. Those guys should be full-time. Peter Tepper has done an amazing thing to begin to give us arms out into the world through our online ministry. We don't have anybody to oversee that full-time. We're, we're grateful for volunteer help and part-time help, and if you could be a volunteer, just let us know. But how wonderful would it be if we could just have somebody who just, they worry about that all the time. Now, okay, so there are other things, so that's enough for now. I realize that for a lot of reasons, the last three years, uh, affectionately dubbed COVID-tide, they've been financially tough times. And there's acute uncertainty about what the future holds. I get that. And that may account for the fact that we're in an unusual position at this point in the year of we're $50,000 or so behind in people honoring pledges or estimates that they made for this last year. And we're pretty sure that that'll get caught up in December, but we don't usually find ourselves out there. And it reflects, I think, what's going on in our world and our lives. But today, I just want to put it out there. From Moses to Malachi to Jesus, the Bible says you're spiritually healthy when your giving starts at 10% of your income. And then any, any giving above that, you call offerings. I just want you to think about, especially if your current cone of pain is financial, you might just give God a chance to show how far he can stretch the 90% that he entrusts to you and give him his 10%. And it will be amazing what we can do as a church family. And I think you'll be amazed at how spiritually healthy you feel. Okay, regardless, may you know in the first place that in whatever state you find yourself, 
the miracle that your life and death demand has happened and will finally prevail. The righteous has come and will come again. And he has given himself for the unrighteous and will finally make all that is wrong in and around you right. May you know in the second place the power of singing your way through any time-warped cone of pain. May you know in the third place the utter joy, even as Paul would say, the hilarity of answering God's generous gift of his son in the flesh and in the bread and in the wine with a heart generously disposed to him and his work and his people and the world he so dearly loves. Meanwhile, would you receive this prayer for quiet confidence? O God of peace, you who have taught us that in returning and rest we shall be saved, in quietness and in confidence shall be our strength. By the might of your Spirit, lift us, we pray you, to your presence, where we may be still and know that you are God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen and amen.